They may look stupid, our Klingon hosts. They're anything but. They regularly give us the choice to choose our pain. We can accept the beating ourselves or pass it on to our cellmates. It's our captor's way of keeping us from bonding. You seem conspicuously free from bruises. I've learned how to choose wisely. Don't judge. You're going to want to stick with me. I'm a survivor. Just like you. to STD, a Star Trek Discovery podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS series Star Trek Discovery. Hi, I'm Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts slash Trekkies, starting with none other than a nerd story himself, Andy Sims. How you doing, man? Doing well. Very interested to see what everyone thought about this week's episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to dive in, man. I, I, I quite enjoyed it, but we'll, we'll go around the horn in just a bit to see what everybody thinks. Um, next, we have the historian, Cal Jones. How's it going, man? What's up? Hey, man. As always, I'm happy to be here. I'm, it's cool to have Andy back. I mean, I know we, we don't have Carrie tonight, but welcome back, Andy. It's cool to have you back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and next, we have uh, the Trek historian, John Shorts. How you doing, man? Doing good, man. Doing good. Glad to be on tonight. Cool beans, cool beans. Anybody have any interesting this happened over the last week that they want to talk about? Anything that you're uh, working on or any you know? Have that. Star Trek came on. <laughs> good, good point. No, really? Really? <laughs> we could we could talk hey. about the uh distinguished competitions awesome last Jedi trailer. Oh, yes. That was freaking phenomenal. Is it blasphemy to talk about Star Wars on a Star Trek podcast? I I don't know. But the trailer was awesome nonetheless. I they both got a, uh, see, I was going to stop the uh, corny jokes. I'm, so, uh, 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 Trek historian, go for it, because I'm stopping my corny jokes. <laughs> oh, no, go ahead. I, that was just my comment. I said to some, it would be blasphemy, but... Hey man, so far it's well, good. I was going to uh, say both of them had stars involved in them, so go for it. Ah, I, nice. I did try to uh, school Jonathan's careless meme postage about Star Wars earlier this week, but he never <laughs> did respond back to me. And what was said careless meme? I didn't remember seeing that. It was oh. a picture of Janeway, and it had. Uh, for God's sake, would someone please tell uh, the Star Wars fans that warp speed is faster than light speed? Ah, okay. okay. I thought it was cool because it had Janeway in it, but I, I mean, you know, <laughs> there you go. Bring out well, the pitchforks. Being being a Star Wars fan extreme, I quickly pointed out to Jonathan that light speed is only the uh, name for it and that traveling through hyperspace actually allows for faster than light travel. Oh, so. oh man. Nerd story but, indeed. Man, how smart can you be if you don't actually call it what it is? <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe they say uh, warp travel in Star Trek, so they're not calling it what it is either. Well, they're warping space around the ship to achieve faster than light travel. 
Well, that's guys, the same thing with guys, this this, for speed. this this argument is frivolous. I think the sport drive is the clear winner here. So we can we can quit this argument. You know, take yeah, that well, Star Wars. The sport drive might be on its way out. <laughs> <laughs> we will dive I in. A, uh, <laughs> I, I did research it a little bit, and it uh, a couple of places I've seen said the TARDIS was actually the fastest space. Bearing ship, if you could call it that, I guess. Hey, the doctor himself called it the ship back in the 60s, so. <laughs> Never mind so that it's stuck it's in the fast. form of a police box. Never mind that. <laughs> Chameleon circuit. Chameleon circuit. Yeah, it's on. only stuck. It used to be a piano. Right. Or, <laughs> or whatever it is. And it was a piano at one point. Right. Nice. My uh, my only defense, my only like counterstatement to the police box is it would be interesting to see if anybody would uh, calculate how fast the Heart of Gold in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy could travel since it had an improbability drive. Wow. Actually, I had, uh, there was a couple of lists had that on top as well, but I've never seen that show, so I've never seen that movie. No. It's a book, too. Well, considering uh, the fact that Douglas Adams wrote that and also wrote in the 70s for Doctor Who, I'll just say wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, and be done with it. Good point. <laughs> Good stuff, man. So, guys, uh, what we do here on, here on this show, excuse me, is uh, we review each episode of Star Trek Discovery in a somewhat excessive detail. In addition, as, as you witnessed, talking Trek and other sci-fi things. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, today, we're going to be reviewing Star Trek Discovery Episode 5, entitled Choose Your Pain. <laughs> okay, that's my bad Klingon impression. It <laughs> <laughs> would have been better if you had done it in Klingon. Well, they did it in English, to my defense. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I will let the spoiler king his, himself um, uh, dive us into this and uh, tell, tell us what, what's, what's ahead in this next few seconds here, Kyle. Oh, absolutely. So, if you haven't uh, seen this episode yet, I had to think just a second where you were leading me, but then I got it. So, if you haven't seen this episode yet, which is episode number five of this new uh, Star Trek Discovery season, Choose Your Pain. If you've not seen it, put us on pause. We will be right back. But from henceforth, spoilers. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand the battle station. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. Okay, guys. Yeah, thanks for that, Cal. And, you know, the spoiler king himself, other than being the historian. Uh, <laughs> so, man, let's let's get into it. Um, we get this opening scene where Burnham is having this dream slash nightmare. Um, kind of feeling the pain of the tardigrade. Um, what do we think this whole sequence of her having this dream and then the eventual conversation she has, she has with Colbert? I felt like it was going to be foreshadowing uh, to her injecting herself with the genetic material and jumping into the spore drive. Hmm. Yeah, that's kind of where I've seen that going as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll get into gonna- it, but... Yeah, Go I'm going to three-peat that and say, absolutely, I thought that's kind of where I, I, I saw her sacrificing herself to some degree. So, yeah, I agree. Well, you know, uh, 
we'll talk about a little later, but Stamets takes the plunge. And, you know, one thing I don't fully understand about this show that I guess we're still getting into it only being a few episodes in is Michael Burnham, uh, Sneaker Martin Green is supposed to be the main character of this show. But seems like as we've got past the first couple of episodes, she is kind of taking a I'm not going to say backseat because she is pretty prominent in weaving through the story, but the stories have kind of diverged away from her in a large sense. Yeah, it's a little different, but I think they have gone to great lengths to make the show different than the ones before it. So you're not going to have quite often the, the Picard episode, the data episode, um, that she's going to kind of be, story a and then other things are going to be story b but then to counter my own point this seemed like it was very much a captain Lorca episode yeah yeah I don't know. <laughs> yeah again just to point out a few parts about that first little sequence we got with uh colber and and, and burnham uh, first off, we see Tilly snoring, which classic Tilly fashion, you know, snoring it up, <laughs> annoying everybody, which is, I, I guess, is what she does. I'm really still not sure what her uh, uh, modus operandi is. But um, she's an experiment. They need. I remember last week I said that she didn't irritate me as bad. Well, I'm going back to say experiment on her. <laughs> like now, experiment on her. And then, of course, with the title of the last episode being uh, The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry, it was kind of written on the wall that something would happen with the Tardigrade. So, I, you know, that even by the end of the last, the last episode, we saw that was coming. And, and yeah, it kind of um, came to a head in this episode. So, um, yeah, yeah, let's move on. Um, we have the scene where... Uh, Lorca is off at this space station, I guess, to talk to Admiral Katrina and a few more Starfleet officers. Um, first off, what do we think of the look of the space station itself? Uh, very different from anything we've seen in Star Trek. Um, what do you guys think of the look? I'm going to have to look that up because I don't remember. I was more concerned of like, why did he have to go all the way to the space station for that meeting? <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, they do have holograms, don't they? So it kind of negates the fact that she that he has to travel there. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And yeah. on top of that, you know, not necessarily just the travel. We've seen him communicate with others via holographic imagery and such. Not necessarily him, but uh, you know, in the Shenzhou that they were um, communicating holographically. So again, why couldn't he just be a hologram there? So I, yeah, I, I, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, maybe he had. To, I mean, because they do show him doing his eye injections maybe he had to come back for supplies or i don't know that's a good point maybe hologram technology is expensive <laughs> like wireless minutes <laughs> <laughs> they do not have an unlimited hologram plan yeah they should have stuck with horizon up <laughs> uh, ceasefire um but anyway um yeah, yeah. So we see this whole meeting where I guess Lorca kind of feels that he got jumped by these officers who are kind of they're wanting to replicate the spore drive across the vast ships of Starfleet. And, you know, they want to kind of take some downtime so they can actually 
replicate this. And also that because he's such a high asset, you know, if the Klingons were to grab his ship or, or take them out, it would vastly hurt their efforts in the war. And, and yeah, he, he is not happy at all with being sidelined. So <laughs> that's curious. I'm curious. Did anybody else interpret that differently than what Clarence just did? Let's hear it. What you got? Okay. Yeah. Cause, cause, yeah. Cause all right. So here's how I interpreted it. I didn't look at it as so much as him being an asset. I saw him much more as you're being a liability and you're, you're taking this. And yet, I mean, you may be doing this, 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 and this, but it's like, let's say you develop this secret weapon. Well, it's not much of a secret if you're going everywhere and anywhere and, you know, flaunting this. Eventually, people are going to figure out what you're doing is, is my point. That's how I kind of saw it more, much less than, look, we've got to, you know, back up and, you know, preserve you. I was more like it as, look, you need to slow down. Hmm. That's an interesting take on that. I don't know. Uh, they did mention that, you know. He, 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 uh, if he did slow down, they would take up the slack. And then he kind of like just throws out the statement, that's a lot of slack. And I'm like, so, uh, <laughs> he, he is not wanting to be sidelined at all. I don't know if it's more so him just thinking he's helping them so much or his warmonger mentality. I really don't know, but it's clear that he does not want to be sidelined. Yeah. And yeah. I thought it was ego. Uh, ego. Yeah. That's a good one. Which they, she seems to show concern of them using the tardigrade past its limits before they could understand understand it enough to make it on other ships. So I just kind of took it as she was more concerned about you know this uh, resource that they have. They want to reserve it until yeah. they can find more. You know. Yeah. Well, she does make the statement that they are searching the universe high and wide to uh, find more tardigrades. So apparently this isn't a creature that you can find very easily. Which is curious, and I know this is probably a nerd thing, but I would be interested to find out how they found the first one and even linked it to the spore drive. Like, I mean, they're obviously rare. Um, Did finding the first tardigrade on the sister ship become the, the link for them working on it? Or was this guy, were they just always interested in quantum mushrooms? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> well, what, what, um, if I gather your question correctly, they, Stamets and his friend, best friend, I guess, who was the science officer on the sister ship, worked on this theory in school together of this intergalactic network of spores, well, mycelial, I think they called it. Yeah, I think so. Well, well, Stamets decided to try to grow his own fungi, which would produce these spores. And his friend decided to harvest it from somewhere. And they kind of alluded to the fact that during a harvest... They picked up one of these things, and which I'm assuming was had to have been microscopic because they said there's no logs of any anything being brought on the ship. Yeah, and they didn't yeah. trace any by any. 
I don't know what word you use, through the transporters. Yeah. In other words, nothing else extra came through the transporter. So this had to be so small that they didn't find it when they harvested these this fungi. Okay, so that's cool, because I did not get that. And that's cool, because that makes sense. Well, now that just creates more questions, like, <laughs> was it some kind of mutation that created a larger variant of the species. And if that's the case, can they even expect to find another one? Right. They may have literally just let their golden goose out the, out the airlock. I yeah. So let me ask you this question. If I, right, so let's say this thing is microscopic and it is stuck uh, for lack of a better word, or, you know, I can't think of anything else, but it's captive or stuck in this place with all these spores that either it purposely eats or that's part of its ecosystem and whatever. And instead of just getting one or two of these spores, maybe a month or a day or whatever, it's got thousands, millions of constant consumption and all it does is sit there and either mentally talks to eats whatever it is that it's doing with them <laughs> and it just so gets you know just think of it like a sponge or a balloon or whatever it just balloons out and that's how it got so big maybe mm-hmm. I, I can see that I it's a possibility uh I don't. I think it, if it's doing anything, it's absorbing. They kind of made the relationship out between the tardigrade and the spores to be a mutual, uh, friendly like relationship. So I wouldn't think he was eating them eating more, them. Right. more of maybe absorbing them, and maybe mm-hmm. because they were harvesting so much, maybe he absorbed a lot. I don't know. Uh, I think it just still- goes to show how like deep. Star Trek nerds we are as we're trying to figure <laughs> out the the mutual benefits of a relationship of a giant water bear and a tiny spore over like you know story and character. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. isn't that part of the story? I mean, yeah. I, see, I agree with you. Well, it is for me, and, and, it, and it is part of Star Trek to have something that you can actually think about on such a deep level. Is like textbook Star Trek. I mean, they plan, they've written this out to where you can actually research it down to the very minute detail of it, and they've actually thought of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. like for some reason, I kind of think that's this episode might be the last we see of the tardigrade, at least for a while. Uh, main point being is that it seems to be possibly a high budget item to have in every episode. I mean that I mean it looks real and it's CG so I mean that that costs a lot of money so I don't I don't think we'll see it again for the rest of the, maybe by the end of the season we might see it again but I, I don't know I don't know well, do, you, do you guys think it'd be possible to even replicate the spore drive technology in different ships Well I guess that all depends on what the developments come out of the end of the episode <laughs> You know <laughs> Yeah yeah uh, and I also say that uh, if it is replicated or used at some point, it will be no longer used or banned. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it has to because you don't see it later. Right. Well, I think we have another reason for that that we can probably talk about a little later as well. Uh, but but yeah, just one more takeaway from the meeting of, of Lorca and, and um, the Admiral is that um, they are not happy about him taking in Burnham. People are pretty pissed about that, so that's the oh. thing. 
Yeah, I don't. And I, I don't remember. I didn't watch this a second time, and I usually watch it a second again before our podcast, so I'm fresh. But I don't. Well, am I mistaken when the Admiral kind of disagreed with that as well? Yeah, yeah, she did. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I. You pretty much asked the same question I did. Yeah, so Roka uh, pretty much says, "My ship, my way" is kind of his response to the Admiral. So, um, so yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's 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 going to be interesting how that actually develops. And, um, yeah. So another thing, um. I'm pretty much beginning to think any use of a shuttle was a bad thing. <laughs> I know even in classic Star Trek is often used as a tie into an episode to make a different style episode, you know, get off the ship. But like we were only like a few episodes in and every time they're in a freaking shuttle, bad things happen. So the, it's the, the so the shuttle has it become uh, the red shirt of this uh, particular <laughs> series. <laughs> it, I agree with that. Man, it completely like threw me out of like being into the episode. I'm like, all right, they're traveling, and like out of nowhere, this Klingon ship shows up, and it causes so many questions. Like, how did the Klingons know that? Lorca was meeting with the Admiralty. Like, yeah. do they literally have people that are some sort of spy system that allows them to know, like, flight paths of Starfleet yeah. vessels? And if so, why aren't they winning the war already? Yeah, that that didn't make any sense. It was so bad about that scene. Like, the computer says, warning. Like, seconds before the freaking Klingon Class D Battlecruiser, like, was on top of them. So I'm like... What kind of water system is that? It like gave them literally two <laughs> seconds before they were actually had them in a tractor beam. So I was like, here's, Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. If you go back and watch that scene, they're, they're pulled in and Lorca and, you know, the soon to be red shirt guy that was with him are ready. Like, you know, they've got their blaster rifles or whatever, and they're about <laughs> to like throw down. The doors open up, but what throws me off is a Klingon <laughs> drops down from the ceiling yes. into the shuttlecraft, and I'm uh, like, dude, where were you at? <laughs> How did that happen? Dude. Well, I guess they established you can come through the top, because didn't Burnham do the same thing in the uh, Alice in Wonderland speech yeah. thing? Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. So. yeah, but I mean, the do- yeah, I guess so. I don't know. It just... I was like, damn, was he, like, outside the ship, and then they brought it in, and he jumps down? But, nah, I guess now that you say it, that that checks out. Crap, Clarence. Wait it, a, it, wait it, a it, man. It still was really freaking weird. I will admit to you on that. On that I was like, what? Really? Oh. It's like, ha-ha, I'm three feet in front of the guys <laughs> in the other door. Ha-ha. Oh, the green tractor beam effect I felt was awesome. And also, like, the green disruptors in this episode, I thought the effect on those were freaking great. Dude, disruptors back in the day were way more badass than they are later on. (laughs) Yeah. They're just, they're gone. Poof. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was too great. Even even now, in current Star Trek timeline, when disruptors are used, I think that's the danger of them, because there's no stun setting on disruptors. If you're shot with a disruptor, you're gone. And that's just period. I mean, even on 
I think there's a part on DS9 where a clean unused disruptor and pretty much vaporized the person. Hey, man, the clean guns wouldn't have it any other way. Very it's, true. In my brain, like comparing that to like first season next generation where they had these really terribly animated like his skin and then his muscle and then his skeleton's gone kind of disruptor effect (laughs) oh boy good stuff though i mean it's i definitely wouldn't want to be on the wrong end of one of those things or the wrong face of one face side of you know well we saw the little reflection that uh, I guess happens to Laurel uh, during the escape scene where mm-hmm. uh, she gets the, the disruptor to the side face. So I guess you can survive. Uh, <laughs> well, see, that's that's where I kind of questioned it because it's I mean, I assume they named it disruptor because if it makes contact with you, it disrupts your biology in some sort of way where you just vaporize. So, I mean, it's just like skinned her face. <laughs> I mean, if, if a disruptor hits you and vaporizes your entire body, like if yeah. it hits your face, you should at least lost half a face. Yeah. Like well, it looked face. like it was kind of melting or at least on fire, kind of like a napalm attack. And, and I don't think it hit her. It kind of reflected off the wall. Maybe she was too close for comfort, maybe. Uh, I guess. She's definitely going to have a scar. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little one. So, um, yeah, Lorca is captured, and we see Saru taking command of the Discovery. Yeah. I re- you, Go ahead. Now, what did you guys think of the, the little protocol thing he put together where it had uh, Archer and Christopher Pike as two of Starfleet's highest decorated officers? Yeah, cool Easter egg. Robert April, Jonathan Archer, Matthew Decker, uh, Philippa Giorgio, and Christopher Pike. Yeah, that was that was pretty awesome. Easter egg. What did what did you guys? I know you. Hey, asked hold on. I missed that. I missed that. Where when when did this happen? Uh it's when Saru kind of tries to implement a computer protocol to test how well he's doing as a captain. You remember that? No. Yeah. It, 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 well, it happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I must have missed skipped a part. And then he like asked several questions and to people who to gauge him his performance by, and I think. um that's when we get the scene where um, we have the names of the captains uh, on the on the view screen. Pretty awesome stuff. Oh, well, that just pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> because I did not see that at all. So that means, and you know, there was a time when I thought maybe it skipped ahead. And I know I've mentioned this before. I don't know. I'm going to have to look at that. So I'm, I'm using, I'm streaming the CBS All Access from my phone through Chromecast on the TV, so ah, it's, yeah, I, I'll make this something. You know, speaking of that the just str- sounds like a bad idea. Oh my god! So let me ask you guys: have have any of you noticed when you do? And I know this is not directly related to the story, but since we're talking the streaming of CBS All Access, do do, do any of you find that sometimes when you get ready to start the show, that it just sits there and does nothing? Yes, every time. That's that's it. It does it even when I'm playing like other stuff uh, that's on there because I'm a big Survivor fan. So lucky me. I get every season of Survivor and I've been watching. <laughs> so. So, yeah, it's just their service is not great. It, I mean, once it's playing, oftentimes it's OK, but I think maybe they're trying to do a little too much. Because you got you to think with Netflix, you just hit the button and you stream the whole episode. 
But with these guys, they're putting in ads. So it's not like one video. It's like multiple videos stitched together. So it's a lot of crap going on that's not going on on Netflix, which I'm guessing causes issues. Point taken. It runs fine. If I I run it just from my phone, it runs wonderful. It's just when you start streaming it elsewhere, I have issues. Hmm. So does does well back to the episode. Does does Saru um elicit those feelings of Spock to anyone other than myself? No, there's oh. just something about him that about his character, at least the way, you know, he emotes that I don't know. No, I'm not getting a Spock vibe, I guess is the short version. <laughs> All right, so, so 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 do you mind if I throw that back at you and ask you what is Spockish to you about him? Uh, less about his manner- mannerisms, but more about his um, logic or decisions uh, to, or how he makes decisions. I think feels very Spock-like to me. Now, granted, I'm I, I'm not the hugest TOS watcher, so <laughs> of the Spock I know, to me, he elicits elicits a lot of Vulcan-like logic. In, in the things he does, which I love. I mean, it's kind of witness when he, when he takes that extra moment during the escape and, and he notices that, you know, that's his captain, um, leading the chase. So I don't know. I, I think he's very logical. It may be inherent to his race, but still, I, I love that about him. Cool. So guys, we still yeah. had, oh, well, go ahead. No, no, go right here, man. What's up? Well, I just I still hadn't found a reason to like him yet, and I don't know. It's I love him. <laughs> He's awesome. He just kind of it kind of bothers me, and I'm gonna tell you what really bothers me: this threat ganglia stuff that comes out the back. Is it that bothers me every time? It's gotten annoying. Me, I just have a problem with that. Yeah, it's they they is overstayed his welcome already. It's, it's kind of annoying yeah. at this point. And then he's kind of embarrassed of it, like he just dropped his pants or something. (laughs) (laughs) I could say something right now that would make sense (laughs) to all of you, but I don't know how it would flavor the rest of the podcast. Oh, boy. (laughs) So I'm going to keep it quiet. Hey, man, if if Star Trek can drop F-bombs, I'm pretty sure you can say whatever you want to say. I thought you were about to boldly go somewhere. But but let's table that for a second. (laughs) I don't like it. <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and talk about the F bomb thing. Let's let's go ahead and talk about it. So leading up to that, Burnham kind of voices her concerns about using the tardigrade. You know, it's it, it can't survive. It it, it it just can't take all these jumps and it's hurting the creature, blah blah blah. And she's voicing her concerns to first Culver and then then Stamets and it gets to this scene where we see Burnham Stamets and Tully, Tilly, Tully, Tilly, Tilly, all make this very cool type of analysis of an alternative to the tardigrade. And I guess in her uh, overjoy, excitement, nerdisms, I don't know. Tilly just just drops the f bomb, man, and and yeah, and Star Trek will be changed forever. Science is effing cool. <laughs> All because of the irritating experiment. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's, I, I, to me, it's not that big a deal. So, 
Um, it was shocking. It was shocking. I, w- I wouldn't see feels. it change. Yeah. But it would, uh, you know, it didn't change anything for me. It was shocking. <laughs> it's just so out of place. Which is weird because, I mean, every single one of us here on the podcast has watched multiple shows with profanity and vulgarity and nudity and violence. But then you, you watch Star Trek and they say the F word and it's like, oh, man, did they really do that? You know? Yeah. Is nothing sacred anymore? Is that the question? Apparently not. <laughs> All right, so let me ask you, let me let, let, let me pose it this way. Are is is the backlash or are the concern or the thoughts or whatever you want to call them more about the fact that it was Star Trek or is it more about the fact that it's you know a lot of people consider um Star Trek a family show? Or is it a family show? I'm, I'm, I think, I'm just asking. I, I think both. I mean, even John mentioned this early on when we first started talking about Discovery, start the podcast or whatever. You know, usually Star Trek is a show that you can sit in a room with your kids and watch and not feel any fear of of um, any bad things happening. You know, maybe in the movies, maybe it's a little bit, but more so in the show, not at all. And... You know, this is the first Star Trek where you, you know, unless your kid is a teenager, you know, you're not going to show him the show, I feel. And and, and and on top of that, this was just one of two things that happened in this episode that could bring about a lot of backlash, as you mentioned it. But uh, yeah. but surprisingly, I haven't heard anything bad yet. I don't know. I just want to I want to throw out there, kids, that Star Wars will always be friendly to you. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen Solo, a uh, Star Wars story yet. <laughs> He's a rebel. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I think I struck Is a nerve. That a thing? Is that something that's happening? Is are they doing a movie? <laughs> Wait, yeah, you're, you're joking, right? They actually, I yes. think they yeah, <laughs> yeah, they've already finished um, shooting. The first time or the second time? Oh, wow. He's digging deep, man. That's neither here nor there. First director (laughs) or second director? Yeah, Um, I know, right? Well, third, actually. But anyway. um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the F-drum bomb has dropped. I want to ask you, Cal, did this change your opinion of Tilly any? Because I know you're not a fan. No. (laughs) I I thought the simple fact, honestly... Because I, uh, you, you know, I, I think I posted in our chat. You know, this is, you know, freaking cool because it, it, I, it was so unexpected. And you know, for any, any, any of you who have children, and I don't have children, and you know, and I, and I'm try- not trying to be offensive here, but if this were on CBS at eight o'clock Sunday, seven thirty Sunday night, and this was aired, yes, I would have a, I would have a problem with it, but. This, you know, we don't hear this as Luke Cage says something similar. Jessica Jones says something something similar. Uh, Daredevil may say something similar. You know, we don't see or you know anything on Netflix. And and my initial thought was everywhere else around the world, this is on Netflix. So yeah, it wasn't that big of a shock to me. Man, Star Trek is such an aspirational show, though, and. It's not something that you could. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it right now. I guess my opinion might change later, but right now I, I still am a little shocked by it. 
And, you know, I kind of saw the writing on the wall for it coming, but, but still, it, it's still a, a surprise. The real well, question. The Go ahead, Andy. Now, the, like, is this a precursor to a Game of Thrones esque <laughs> sex scene? I'm, I'm not expecting full on nudity in Star Trek. I I could be very well surprised by that later on, but how risque of a love scene do you think they could potentially place into the show? Or is that even an issue? Should we even be worried about that? Hmm. I pose that question. Well, if you watch the after trick, they were interviewing, uh, I don't know who, which characters it was, but anyway, I was a couple of actors and they and a guy asked them, are we going to see that relationship like blossom more? And they kind of alluded to the fact that it was definitely going to be a lot of focus on that relationship. Now, I don't know where it's going to go. Hmm. I, uh, I don't think they're going to take it there, but I think it will be some focus on it. I don't think it'll go where we think it may. But what what I was going to point out earlier, I mean, everybody is freaking out over these F-bombs and, of course, the scene with Stamets and other guy. But, I mean, we've already had, like, at least two and three second shots of contorted bodies that's, like, bloody and broken. And, yeah, that's true. You know, we've had a lot of things that's just not normal in Star Trek. I mean, we're listening to Kleena saying, talking about being cannibals. I mean, this is things that never normally happen in Star Trek. So, I mean, it's not like it's out of the norm for the show so far. It's just the F-bomb sticks out more in your mind, I guess. And I mean, it, just to kind of talk about, like, love scenes in Star Trek, I guess, I mean, there, there's little to none of that. But if you look back at the TOS, man, there's a lot of sexualization in that show. I mean, Kurt, for goodness oh, sake, yeah. intergalactic James Bond. So I mean, and, and and let's 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 look at you know Lorca is in this cell, and of course we see what Hardcore Fitton Mud I think is his name, and if you go his first episode Mud's first episode on TOS, and I actually went back and watched the episode, and we're talking about sexualization. The name of the episode was Mud's Women, and yeah. the <laughs> and, and and the whole episode was about these three women that were taking this drug spoilers that were taking this drug that allowed them to be highly sexualized and, and have the man's eyes and the ears, you know, and, and that's stuff, even in that first series that you hardly ever saw in any of the series following that. I mean, Kirk era was very sexualized. If you think about it and, 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 and a lot of stuff that happened in even that, uh, Mud's, Mud's women episode, I don't even know if it'll fly today because it's sexist in a lot of ways and it's just so different from what we've seen in modern Star Trek. Well, what was modern Star Trek? <laughs> well, you know, it's been bits and pieces. I mean, you have the Voyager episode when Harry Kim supposedly was drawn home to the planet where it was mostly women and no men. Yeah, yeah, true. True. I mean, that yeah. alluded to sexism. Then you had the kissing scene with Jadzia Dax in DS9 when she met her old, her ex-wife. Yeah, yeah. You had, the episode, you had the episode in Next Generation where uh, Dr. Crusher had sex with a ghost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Weird, but yeah. 
Yeah, didn't Harry have another episode where he like something happened to him and a girl he had relations with and he wasn't supposed to and he got in trouble and he like Oh yeah, they got a Oh uh, yeah, okay. Disease or something. I'm or... totally wrong. This happens all the time. <laughs> Star Trek. <laughs> all the times that they tried to make uh, Counselor Troy interesting were generally sexualized in some way. Yeah, and come on, Riker for God's sake, just Riker. Let's end it there. Underline right. that three times. <laughs> so is is it even an issue? If, if, listening to you guys talk, is it even an issue? Yes, because we're just coming to grips with our childhood being sexualized <laughs> and we're not liking it. <laughs> well, I, I think the key is how far do, do they take it? I mean, right. we had those undertones in this series so far um, of old, but we never really had explicit, there it is on the screen. It was all undertone. It was all left up to your imagination. But where do they go now with that in this series? It kind of frightens me in a way. <laughs> all right. So let me ask this because because I'm just asking because I'm not quite understanding. So that's why I'm asking. Uh, are we saying that 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 this past Sunday was explicit or no, 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 that- no. We're just saying the groundwork is being laid to go in that direction is is more so what I'm saying. And whether or not they will go their direction. I did have the episode kind of cause some inner reflection in old Andy. Okay. I will have to admit. Um, And we can, we can discuss this, I guess it's not really, I mean, we've already kind of hinted at it. I really like over the last couple of episodes that the main, the medical guy was having more of a presence. I don't know what it is about the weird, way star trek works but for me like having a medical officer in the mix has always seemed like one of those key elements yeah and so i was really interested you know i mean him taking a stand against the abuse of the tardigrade and things like that i was you know it's like cool we're gonna you know he's actually gonna be a reoccurring character and uh you know there's gonna be some conflict between him and uh, the head medical guy. I mean, the head science guy. I can never remember his name. Stamets. Stamets. And then him and Lorca and things like that. And initially at that final scene, I was like, oh man, they're dating. And it wasn't <laughs> kind of a like, oh man, it's two dudes on a TV show. For me, it was, oh man, they're gonna like, his main thing is gonna be a love interest and not like, a medical, like, you know, maybe kind of like a morality play of the things they're doing. Yeah. And then I got to thinking, was like, well, why can't it be both? And then I got to thinking really deep and I was just kind of like, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> so when, at the long end of that rambling explanation <laughs> of what I thought about the medical guy, what do you guys think about stories like that? <laughs> like, and like where you're seeing a character become like a three-dimensional part of the ongoing story. Like, I don't know thoughts, I guess would be my question. What do you guys think? Um, to, to me, he errs on the side of Burnham to have more of a moral compass. Uh, they're both definitely in that camp. Um, I think it's needed. And I don't even think he's the chief medical officer. He's just a, a, a medical officer. No, that's, that's right, because he said um, 
the he gave the acronym for chief medical officer about an appendectomy he had to go do. So yeah, yeah he's just one of the medical crew. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I definitely think it's needed. Definitely on this ship with somebody as strong-willed as Lorca. And even in the case when we see Saru wanting to make this jump at all costs because, you know, he has to go save his captain. And it always helps to have that that moral compass, you know, again, in him and a little bit in Burnham. And I think it's going to be needed because Lorca is such a strong-willed force that <laughs> it may be hard to just have one character that that can can uh, have those sensibilities. And, you, you know, it's number one, can I say best freaking Starfleet uniform I've seen. Just the white. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, it looks uh, like an actual Navy uniform. Yeah, it does. Right. And I, I, I don't know if it was the same uniform as all the others and just white or they did something different, but it was awesome to me. I like that. Uh, number one. Number two, I like his character. He is fulfilling the norm of a Star, a Star Trek doctor being the morality center of the crew. And he's also, the the relationship-wise, in my opinion, if I think back to all the doctors and all of the, all of the series, they've all had, like, their love life was always the most... I guess you could say dynamic in the show. I mean, you go to Dr. Bashir was in love with three or four different women. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had the doctor on Voyager who, I mean, he dated a hologram. He had a family uh, those years. He was stuck yeah, in he had a time planet. Yeah. yeah. And then he dated the, uh, what's the people that had the phage. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can't remember the name, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the same thing. And then even on Next Generation, Beverly Crusher's relationship with the captain was always a a very dynamic relationship that I always have. So I think they're kind of going in the same direction with it. It just so happened to be two guys, which I think is that time now to kind of bring that in. Yeah. And and whereas in the the Next Generation, you saw this, I guess, background love interest between – the doctor and the captain, they really couldn't act on it because, you know, they're both chief officers, you know, well, a captain and, and, a, and a chief office, medical officer. So here we see where they're both officers. But since it's not a main guy, it's really no conflict, you know, um, conflict of interest for them to have relationship. Um, I think it could be interesting. Like, again, the only thing that scares me about being a Star Trek person is will it go too far, you know? And and maybe this is just my backward mentality. And and, and trust me, I men or women, I, if it was too, if it was like a guy and a woman, I would still have that same concern with this being on a on a platform that doesn't have any restrictions. Okay, so um, let me let I I think I'm going to give a good example, Clarence, of uh, of what you're trying to um to to come across and say, and and please correct me if I'm wrong here, but um. In the Doctor Who universe, there's a character called Captain Jack. And for <laughs> several years, Captain Jack Harkness. And for several years, uh, and there's still comics and there's audio, you know, audios uh, going still. But there was also another show called Torchwood. Now, Captain Jack on Torchwood, same actor, same character. 
much different storylines that you saw on Torchwood than you did on Doctor Who proper. Yes. And I think what you're trying to say was basically if you put Captain Jack doing the things Captain Jack was doing on Torchwood and right in the middle, unexpectedly in the middle <laughs> of a Doctor Who episode, then same thing, just insert Star Trek there. Yeah. Is, is that basically? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, they definitely, on Torchwood, they definitely did not hold back at all. <laughs> so that, you know, you summed it up perfectly. That's that's definitely one of my concerns. And, and you know, and, and I agree with you there. Regardless if it's two women, man and woman, two men, whatever, you know, I, I, I agree that there is some expectation that if you're watching, whether it be Doctor Who, whether it be Star Trek, you know, you you should not begin the episode having to warn of a Star Trek episode, in my opinion, you know, uh, you know, graphic content, nudity, sexual situations going into watch Star Trek. I, I, yeah. You know, I, I just, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Do you think those are deal breakers? Like if they go that direction, will you stop watching it? No, absolutely not. I mean, I think that would, but I, I think that like, for instance, I knew if I were watching Torchwood that I was going to, you know what you're getting into. Yeah. And I knew what I was getting into, but if I, and I don't have kids, like I said before, but if I did have kids and I sat down watching Torchwood thinking that I was going to see just more of Doctor Who, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm missing a lot more than Doctor Who, True. you know, but, yeah, I, but, I, I, but, 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 but let me say this, and this was kind of funny. I did see an image on Facebook where somebody had done like a meme and it was like, Star Trek has finally gone too far. I mean, how can they? And he had a picture of the two guys and it said, how can they? I mean, how dare that they were brushing their teeth. <laughs> With red Starfleet pajamas that I really, really want. Uh, Those are some weird ass <laughs> toothbrushes. <though. laughs> you know, my, I, I, my thought on to answer your question, Andy, I, I'm, with Kyle, I would definitely not stop watching, but I would not consider that. I, I wouldn't consider it a Star Trek anymore. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. If, if that makes sense. I mean, I would still watch I mean, it. Yeah, I would still it does. Fan, but it just wouldn't be Star Trek that I know and love. You know, it'd be a different show now. It would be Federation. There you go. Right. It, it would be Disco. But in its show's defense, and don't quote me on this, I have to research it again, but I think I remember reading an article when they were interviewing, I don't know if it was the director or the writer, and they were questioning them on the TVMA rating, and I believe he said there was not going to be like nudity or anything, but there were just certain situations that they felt would be advised for more mature audiences to understand I don't think it was going to be like nudity and too much profanity and all of that. So it's just certain situations. They just had to put that label there for. And I think mainly because of the scenes uh, on the sister ship. I mean, that, I think that was more of the T- TVMA than anything. Yeah. Well, you know, now, I mean, sure. There are certain amounts of, of nudity, especially given a sexual encounter context that, are going to qualify a different rating, but I got to thinking about it. Um, I'm trying to catch up on the Orville episode two. You see the guy that's, ch- uh, that's hatching his egg, you know, you see <laughs> yeah. his bare naked butt several times in the episode. So, 
but it's an alien butt. <laughs> oh, okay. That, as long as the crack is foreign, that's all that matters. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I, I was weirded out about that too. I, I was a bit weirded out about that too. I must say. <laughs> But yeah, let's let's just jump back into the episode to cover the last few bits. So, of course, Lorca captured, Lorca tortured, Lorca meets Ash. Um, first of all, did did you guys expect Laurel to be on this ship? That was quite a shock to me. Absolutely not. Uh huh. Hmm. And that leads to I uh, read another. There's someone else doing a review of, of this Discovery episodes, and they had a theory that Uh-oh. not too far. I think I know what you're fixed. talking about. <laughs> uh, they're saying Ash could possibly be uh, Volk. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting theory, man. It could be what? So, so the theory is that you know, on his quest, on Volk's quest to be redeemed he may actually be the first Klingon to be converted to human form in order to play the long game and infiltrate Starfleet Oh, you know what's funny about that is Lorca does say at one point you don't have enough organs to do it with a Klingon yeah he does he does so maybe that huh I'm gonna have to think on that one I didn't I didn't think about that at all they also went further to say theorize that Lorca's Tribble that he keeps in his office will bring that to light. Oh, if they do that, that's what oh, makes me so great. happy. <laughs> that would be so great. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> but the only thing that really makes me think that not is going to be the case is that Ash basically beats Laurel to a pulp when he's trying to escape. You know, good acting maybe. I don't know. But he was going to town on her when they were trying to get out. But who, I mean, there's not a normal, I mean, outside of Captain Cisco and I think Miles O'Brien may have beat a cleaner on once. Captain Cisco may have. And then, of course, Data. data. But, I mean, a normal human can't beat yeah. a cleaner like that. Yeah, I was thinking that. Like, well, hell, Orca was doing it. Yeah, but that I, I I was surprised by that because they took those Klingons pretty easily. They really did. Man, you and got I my mind raised. It maybe from Lorca just because Lorca self-proclaimed is a war person. I mean, crazy he's man. war, so he knows how to fight. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, outside of that, I don't I don't see Ash being able to take a Klingon like that without something else going on. Hmm. Interesting. And not to mention most clean on women, if you remember the episode in DS9 when Quark married a clean on woman for whatever reason, I forget. But they, it's considered insulting to have sex with another species other than a clean on. Yeah, and, and like also what jumps at me a little bit about that theory is that eugenics is actually mentioned in this episode when um burnham and stamets come up with this idea to inject this serum or whatever it's called into a human host to be able to serve as navigator you know 
Saru like distinctly mentions eugenics and said, no, we can't do that. And obviously, if you watch Enterprise, you watched uh, Brent Spiner uh, um, be an integral part of the eugenics beginning of uh, of that in, in Enterprise. So I thought that was really good. But I don't know, I mean, man. So many. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean that. Well, the whole eugenics thing is part of the program that created uh, Khan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was. It had been outlawed long ago. And man, now I'm thinking about it because I mean, yeah, if you look at original series Klingons, they're just dudes. <laughs> so you gotta. He's a dude. He's a dude. Oh, God. He's a dude. We're all dudes. We're pick rock bottom. <laughs> now, actually, that, that part where Saru is giving that speech about that is like some of the best acting I've seen on the show. It was phenomenal. And if you haven't, if you don't remember that, go and watch that scene again where he's like yeah. giving, laying a law down to Burdum about, you know, about the eugenics and, and the sport drive and like how you can't disobey my commands and all this stuff. He is doing some awesome acting in that scene. Yeah. And you and know, now, to mention, to mention that, now that is one thing I've liked about Saru and his character. He, they, he, that guy's, I mean, his acting is top notch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, even, and they did an interview with that actual actor and he was, as far as to say how he has to walk, to pull that off, he had to practice on for so long. It's just kind of, he kind of has to like lunge himself, thrust his midsection forward a little bit. And he has to walk like that, like hours on end. He had to do the Urkel. Yeah, pretty no, much. <laughs> Nobody gets the reference. I totally get that reference. <laughs> but I am going to quit the show. If Saru comes in and asks anybody for cheese, <laughs> go home, go home, go home. Yeah. We're old folks. And uh, <laughs> so, I mean, any other takeaways? I know one thing that really jumped out at me as well is the uh, Klingon. Vi- did they call them Raiders? Vipers? Raiders? Yeah. The, the, those the, are weird. Yeah. It looked like something out of guardians of the galaxy and not star Trek. They don't look like the sort of, I mean, I would not expect a Klingon snub fighter to be <laughs> that open. I mean, yeah. half of the stupid ship is, looks like it's made of glass. Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird. Really weird. It looks like the cockpit of a, like a F-16 or something. Hmm. I still keep going back to the fact of every time I see something that looks really, really, really different from what we saw in the original series, I keep wanting to go back and say this should have been in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Especially after me going back and watching TOS for the Harry Mudd episode, I was like, oh my God, this, this is ridiculous. Even Enterprise looks way better than that show. And that's not me being snarky about it, but I'm watching the remastered version of TOS and it still looks nothing close to what's on Enterprise. Alright. So I don't know. Well Yeah, um let's see. Any other takeaways on the show that you guys want to talk about? Oh yeah, let's well let's uh, talk- yeah, big one. Yeah, the, ahead, the, the, the use of uh Stamets as the TARDIS uh sorry, Tardigrade replacement. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's the biggest thing we haven't talked about yet. 
Well, man, and I know we're we're all at that point in like our fandoms and just general nerdiness. That whenever anybody injects themselves with any kind of experimental nonsense, that something bad's gonna go down. And I get, I didn't, you know, when he starts laughing inside the spore drive pit, I'm like, oh, okay, well, he just went crazy and. You know, that's what we're going to have to deal with. He'll be crazy, but maybe he'll still be on the show. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, then apparently you've got that scene where they're brushing their teeth and he's normal. And then he walks away and the mirror's all like, I'm still here. <laughs> that so, was creepy. <laughs> I don't. I, I know it's a very on the nose comment, but do you guys think that this might be a, some sort of. Uh, I guess you would say kudos or kind of nod, nod of the head to the mirror universe. I was thinking, or, hmm. yeah, yeah, that's that's where I was going with it. it I, I can see that kind of being because if he, if this mycelium network is supposed to be in all of the universe in all space and time, then it's take if he injected himself with those, I mean, he existed. In all places, in all times. So, was the mirror, and I have to go back and watch it, was the mirror actually a exact time-delayed rep- representation of what he was doing when he was in the mirror? Or was it a different cadence, different movement? Well, I went back and watched, because like, I was watching it before class, and one of the students were sitting there before me, and I'm like, oh, crap, what does that mean? You know, I'm like talking to the, the <laughs> tablet out loud, and I went back and looked just to make sure, and uh, he completely leaves the room beforehand, and then the guy, like, the mirror guy is, like, smiling and kind of, like, moves to, I don't know, I don't think it. I don't think it was like a mirror representation. I think like whatever's in the mirror is its its own sentience. Yeah, yeah I took that too, and I kind of took it to be kind of a, a evil with like he didn't seem like he had your best interest at heart. You know, that kind of grin that the reflection had was kind of a, <laughs> like there's I got something going on here and like. Mm. Oh, yeah, you screwed up. I'm here now. I mean, I don't mean to stereotype, but anything that lives in a mirror has generally never proven to be <laughs> benevolent <laughs> in any stretch of the imagination. All the all the mirror beating, beings are now shouting out with racism against you, man. Just, just, I can't believe you. Well, you know, if the mirror beings want to uh, give me some representation <laughs> of positive role models, then they're more than welcome to. <laughs> What you saying, Cal? And I'm on sorry. a side note, you know, with all of the breath entry to all these places, I'm glad to see that they're brushing their teeth. <laughs> Much needed. Which is a first. Well, it's actually the second time in any Star Trek that I've seen that actually shows them taking care of their hygiene. What was the first? <laughs> we, uh, the first was Deanna Troy in a bathtub. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've seen... Um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Roxanne Dawson, Belana, Belana 
taking a sonic shower before. I'm pretty sure I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. I did see that. So we have screwdrivers, they have showers. (laughs) (laughs) And shades, we have shades. I don't think anybody in Star Trek history has ever used a toilet. (laughs) No, I hadn't seen that yet. Make it so. Now, we did see someone uh, use the toilet on the Orville. Yes, we did. (laughs) (laughs) I must haven't gotten to that episode yet. Actually, that was in the first episode. Really? Huh. Well, once you see... We didn't see, but we heard them refer. I should say. Let me clarify. Well, once you see an alien hatching an egg, I think you've seen it all. So True. Yeah, that was disturbing. (laughs) So, guys, uh, any other takeaways? Um, I overall enjoyed the episode. I thought it was really good. Kind of weird seeing Burnham not really in the spotlight, but she is playing an integral role in the show. So I just, I just hope it keeps getting better. I'm, I'm enjoying it. What about you guys? Yeah, it's getting. Uh, it it lightened up from the last couple of episodes, which was pretty good. Uh, but the story is developing well, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of depth to the story. So I'm really enjoying it. it gives you a lot to look forward to. Cal, agreed. Uh, I'm still thinking. I, I, I was thinking how I'm, how I want to word this. Um, compared to the other stories, this was the first one that actually I didn't keep my attention throughout the whole uh, part of the story. You know, throughout the duration of the story, and in saying so, I, I realized that it was the Lorca parts that I kind of zoned out on so i don't know what that says about the story about me or about the character but everybody else i was watching but his parts i found myself migrating back to the computer on so um (laughs) but i still enjoyed it but 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 his parts did kind of bore me a little bit kyle you can't have all tilly all the time man come on (laughs) point taken So, yeah, guys, I guess we're done. Um, thank you guys for listening along. Thank you guys for being on the show. Do you have any parting gifts? It could be something you're working on, something you're interested in, or something you're watching or listening to. So, uh, yeah, Andy, anything? Well, not so much anything that I'm uh, working on right now, but a uh, fan favorite franchise in the gaming world known as legends of the five rings recently came out with a new card game uh Uh. produced by fantasy flight games and uh i have bought into the bought into playing it um it's a different format it's called a living card game instead of a collectible card game so you can buy Uh. the set it's not random up front and play your games and then you know every month or whatnot you'll get an expansion pack of 45 cards it's the same cards you can buy it for everybody so there's no random element to it um and i have been playing that and getting involved in the local l5r community and that's what i'm doing right now is really really getting into how the game is played and and things like that so that's what i'm doing cool beans cool Jonathan, anything you're working on or want to plug? Uh, something you're watching, listening to? Uh, no, not really. Uh, just, that's about it. Star Trek, Orville, and a bunch of other shows that are not sci-fi, but that's <laughs> about it. Ah. 
Kyle, you watching, listening to, working on anything? What you got? All right. Well, uh, this week's actually kind of been a busy week for me. I'd, uh, Monday night, you and I recorded an episode of Discussing Who, and we'll be also recording more as we head toward uh, the Christmas uh, special of uh, Doctor Who on the 25th, and also Monday night, um, after a summer hiatus, as we're calling it, uh, we recorded an episode of Doctor Who Podshock. So that should be out in the next few weeks, hopefully. Cool, cool. Well, guys, I guess that wraps it up. Uh, again, everybody, thanks for listening. And I'll just quote a bit of what Tilly quoted in the show. And, <laughs> and I'll let somebody bring up the Live Long and Prosper. But let me say this first. Finally, uh, may the sun and moon watch your comings and your goings and the endless nights and days that are before you. Live long and prosper. Thank you for listening to the STD Podcast. For more information, go to stdpodcast.com slash subscribe. rescue mission. I'm trying to win a war. Don't make enemies on your own side.